Welcome back to the EDM Podcast. My name is Sam Matlett, I am your host, and if you are new to the show, if this is the first episode you are listening to, the EDM Podcast is a show where I interview successful artists, producers, uh, engineers, and industry experts, so managers, PR people, um, marketers, all that kind of stuff. Now, there hasn't been an interview or an episode for quite a while, and I do apologize about that. No excuse. Life has been busy, but uh, kind of just dropped the ball around Christmas and New Year's. So I apologize for that, but we're back at it. Uh, and this episode is with Orvik. Orvik is someone I hadn't come across until a listener of the podcast mentioned uh, his name and, and showed me his music, and I was blown away. Uh, I was super impressed by how complex and well written his music was. Uh, it was unlike anything I'd heard before. And I was driving home the other day and just listened to two of his albums or EPs back to back and knew that I had to interview him. So I asked him to come on the show. He said yes. And we had a fantastic interview. We talk about a lot of stuff, uh, but we really dive deep on knowing yourself knowing your strengths, your weaknesses, knowing how you learn, knowing how you face setbacks and all that kind of stuff as an artist, which is really important. Uh, James Orvik has a fascinating background story. Uh, Went to Berkeley for two years, didn't like it. He talks about that and he's a great thinker and you'll see that come through, you'll hear that come through and how he talks. Uh, But I came away from this episode thinking about a lot. And I hope you do too. And I hope that it encourages you and inspires you and motivates you to work even harder and think really clearly about music and what you want to do with it. Anyway, that's it for now. Uh, I will leave you to listen to the episode. If you enjoy it, please leave a rating and review on iTunes. You can do that at edmproduct.com forward slash iTunes. That is edmproduct.com forward slash iTunes. Anyway, without further ado, here is Orvik. This episode is brought to you by EDM Foundations. EDM Foundations is my course for new producers, those who've been producing for under 12 months or even those who've just started. The whole idea of the EDM Foundations course is that you learn the fundamentals of music production by actually doing and not just learning the theoretical stuff. The course consists of over 12 hours worth of streamable video where I walk you through the creation of three songs and give you advice and tips for working on your own original alongside them. We've had over 500 people sign up for this course. Many of them have had great results. If you want to learn more about the course, head over to edmfoundations.com. All right, welcome back to the EDM podcast today. I'm joined by James, better known as Orvik. James, how's it going? Uh, pretty good, can't complain. Good, good. Now, uh, for those listening who don't know you or, or haven't come across your work, tell us about your background. How did you get to where you are today uh, with music? Uh, I guess a good place to start is when I was in the third grade, I remember talking to myself about how much I hated music and how, how pointless it was and how useless it was and that, you know, it, it damages your ears and whatever, like it had no artistry or anything like that. I thought it was utterly pointless. And so I wanted to learn the guitar, uh, uh, during the fifth and sixth grade, but for the same reasons as everybody else, when you're that age is to, is to, uh, be cool. So I picked up the guitar, I begged my parents for a guitar and they finally got me one. And that's sort of my initial uh, contact with uh, music, I suppose. Well, I did take violin lessons uh, when I was about like five, or no, sorry, not five, like six or seven. But um, for but that was, you know, forced upon by my parents, you know, uh, for my, my personal, uh, you know, initial journey, I suppose, was... Um, was not in the right, it was not righteous, I suppose. Uh, you know, my intentions were to uh, climb the social ladder, even at that age. So <clears throat> I played the guitar, but uh, I gave up 
um, playing the guitar roughly around like high school because uh, I went through some, you know, I went through some tough times uh, and I, and I, you know, there was no point for me to play really. Cause it, I didn't, you know, I wasn't climbing the social, I was getting bullied for about two years. That's when I quit. And so after about two years, uh, when I was entering junior year of high school, um, I, uh, my life sucked <laughs> to put it, uh, to put it this way. Um, that's when I started to really get into music because I didn't have anything else. I, I used it as a form of escapism and I, I didn't have any real hindrances that would inhibit uh, my, I suppose, self-actualization in terms of uh, uh, growth and, you know, getting into uh, music. It, it was such a, it was such a new world to me because I was a visual artist back then mostly. And uh, cause I used to draw and um, I was, I used to uh, watch uh uh, as a kid, I used to watch anime, so I, I wanted to draw and I was a visual artist, but I, so I didn't understand how something like sound or music could really be an art form. Um, and it was like a whole new world uh, to explore. And like I said, I didn't have any hindrances or, or any realities or, um, or any self-generated issues that would uh, inhibit my uh, growth, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And so from there, uh, and that was, in, um, that was in 2009, so that was nine years ago now. Just to interrupt quickly, because when you talk about hindrances, what what are you specifically, like some people might struggle with perfectionism or something like that really inhibits them to learn and grow. Are you talking about that kind of stuff or what are some other examples? I have a few fans that I, I talk to and when they talk about, you know, growth, about um, them wanting to grow and learn it seems to me when I get to know them a little bit about their lives, they have um, inhibitions, whether it's by environment or whether it's self-generated. Like for example, I know I know a kid who really wants who, who loves uh, music and he he really likes my music as well, and he wants to learn. So he's asked me you know a lot of questions. But the problem is that for him, his issues are sort of self-generated and by. Uh, his environment, so to speak, um, he has when he when he does things he likes his hobbies or when he plays video games or when he makes music, he has an apparent guilt that inhibits him from enjoying the thing that he's doing because his parents, you know, his parents have always told him, um, you're wasting your time. You're not doing anything productive. Why are you doing this? And then, so when he does these things because of his personality, uh, factors in, of course, it inhibits him from self-actualization or the journey to it. You know, he doesn't enjoy the music as, as freely as he should. And, you know, there's other real reality, you know, based, uh, issues. Like if you need, if you need to work a lot in order to, you know, you don't have the time, you, you have to survive, you have to pay your bills and those things like that. You know, those are different issues, but, uh, you know, the, those were the things I'm talking about because, um, I didn't have, I didn't really have any of those. So I'm pretty fortunate. And the, uh, and the environment that I was living in was, you know, chaotic and, uh, but that pushed me towards music, you know, and that was sort of the escapism. And I think, uh, that's what started my journey. Yeah. So one, one word you mentioned a few times is self-actualization, which I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that was coined by, uh, Maslow. Yeah. Maslow's hierarchy. Yeah. Yeah. So what is that for those who haven't heard of that word, what does that mean? Self-actualization is at the top of Maslow's hierarchy. It's a pyramid um, where at the bottom is um, more uh, survival instinct needs such as uh, water, food, you know, shelter, um, you know, sex and things like that. Whereas at the top, once you've gotten, you know, through uh, all of that throughout your life, self-actualization is um, actualizing like who you are and what you want to do. And, and I'm, you know, I'm not a hundred percent on this, but I'm pretty sure that's what it means. So, uh, who you are and, and, and what you want to do and, you know, just living your life, having a full life pretty much on, uh, mm. in, in terms of, uh, music, you know, I, I firmly believe that what you like is what you are. And, uh, I can give some examples of that as well. Like, uh, um, I have musical tendencies. My mind likes to drift to my mind likes to, uh, continuously, uh, pick up on, which is the Dorian mode because that mode I can. I use it a lot and it just, it's just a natural habit that I've picked up. And, you know, when I started off doing music, I thought there's only two keys, which is the major key and the minor key. And, uh, which is definitely not true. So I, I found the Dorian mode. I didn't even know it was called the Dorian mode, but I found it when I was listening to, um, Jack Sparrow, uh, the theme of Jack Sparrow. 
and it changed from a minor key to a Dorian key. And so, uh, and I didn't understand that, but that, that like, uh, that attached itself to my mind so easily because that's, I don't know. I don't know why I can't really explain why from that day on, um, that became me like the Dorian mode. I am the Dorian mode now. Like, uh, I, I write a lot of the things in Dorian mode. It's just something I naturally just go ahead and towards to, I mean, it, the right. past two years I've kind of more evolved into different things, but, uh, yeah. I think that's crucial. And I think so many people suppress that kind of, uh, tendency or drift mm-hmm. simply because they, uh, I don't know, they think that they need to fit, a certain box or style or whatever and for me personally like the the most creative times the most enjoyable times making music have been when there's that drift or like pull towards something and i follow it mm-hmm. and it ends up being awesome right um, but if, if you go into the the door with the assumption that you have to make x y or z z mm-hmm. Sorry, most of the listeners are American. Um, <laughs> it's all good. <laughs> that's gonna, you're gonna suppress that usually. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here you are. You know, you're making music. No hindrances. Uh, from that point, around high school, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. From that point on, what's it been like? After two years of it, um, this was at the end of my senior year now. Uh, I, I started to get into electronic music because I, I didn't really, because what I listened to before that, my entire life before that was alternative rock. And then the music I was writing was just weird electronic. Like I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was just using the tools at my disposal, which was um, a really old Yamaha keyboard with some, you know, like cheesy synth sounds on it. So I was just writing music off that. So I didn't really understand the electronic genre. I, th- I just use them as instruments, you know, like a naive kid, you know, just finding it finding that and just writing whatever and then i started to get more into electronic music like uh, i used to I used to be huge into owl city not not can't be uh, i can't say i'm a big fan now but uh, i used to be i used to listen to nothing but owl city and those sounds and i used to make some owl city kind of influence songs and even trance too because a few of my friends used to listen to like dj splash and stuff like that which which i am really not into now but yeah. And then it, I guess it really started when I started to get into Daft Punk and God knows how much I love Daft Punk. That's when uh, I started to write more electronic stuff and being influenced by Wolfgang Gartner and Dead Mouse, and, uh, you know, the 2011 kind of era. I definitely heard some Gartner influences listening to your music. Oh yeah. I, uh, I even bought a polyvolver cause it's the instrument he uses and, uh, just to replicate his sound, but I can't get it exactly the way <laughs> I'm, I'm very far from that. But, uh, you know, I, I admire his sound design and, uh, and his, uh, mixing and, um, and just the way he shapes his sound with all this warmth and, and this noise and this distortion too, and the saturation. I don't know exactly how, how he does it, but I've always, I've always envied that. And, um, but yeah, basically at the end of, uh, 2011, I, um, from there on, uh, I was trying to apply to colleges and my parents didn't want me to go into music as a career option, which I understand. So I tried to go in for writing. And so I applied to 20 colleges and, um, I got rejected from all of them. Wow. Yeah. And, uh, after that, uh, I was supposed to go to a community college around here. Uh, but I, I sort of, I sort of lied to my parents cause I didn't want to go. I was done with school. I wanted to be free. So, you know, I told them I applied and I, they, and it, it is true. They were impacted four times the amount, but it wasn't impossible to get classes, but I just told them, Oh, there's no, you know, I can't, I can't go because, you know, they have no classes available. So for a year and a half, I did that um, until I was working on my very first uh, album, I suppose, my my EP. It's called Voices and I needed some singers. So I went back to my high school and I talked to um, the choir teacher there who I used to kind of uh, talk with and ask him questions during lunch uh, during high school. And I asked him if I can give a presentation to his choir class uh, about my album and if I could just kind of recruit some singers. And so I gave a presentation and one of them invited me to a concert that they had uh, at the school the next day. And so I went there and I talked to uh, one girl who was interested. And so we quickly became friends and she used to come over um, during the summer so we can work on uh, my album. And she actually told me to apply to Berkeley uh, in Boston. And and I said, no way, that's, that's, that's like, you know, it's not the greatest music school. Like, 
on the planet or at least the country. And she's like, yeah, I got a, you know, I got a, a scholarship there. But you're really good at music too. So you should have totally applied. I was like, no way. But I, you know, I was starting to fear for my future a little bit because it's not, it wasn't going anywhere. So I, I decided to apply. Um, my audition was horrible. It was, it was God awful. It was incredibly awkward and embarrassing. Oh man. Like uh, it was at Hollywood and I took my guitar cause you have to play an instrument. Um, and yeah. So the only instrument I could play kind of was the guitar. So you know, me being an idiot, I didn't even take a tuner. So my guitar wasn't even tuned. I mean, I tuned it to the E string, but it wasn't an E, you know, it was probably some like weird position between a D sharp and an E or something like that. Um, so I, I would go, I went into the audition and some guy comes in and says, Hey, can you read this? Can you just review this sheet music? And I told him, you know, to be quite honest, I can't, I can't read this. And he said, no, don't worry. Um, no one's ever been uh, held back for being unable to read. You know, you go to school to learn. And I was like, okay, that's pretty cool. So I go into the audition room with, uh, there's a man and a woman. And the man actually became one of my professors. And you had to perform a song for about uh, uh, five minutes. Um, an original song, I believe. Mine was a minute and a half. Because <laughs> I didn't really know how to write anything in guitar, you know. And after I played it, they kind of looked at me very strangely and said, that, that was a nice song, James. And I was like, can I curse, by the way? Is that okay? Yeah, go for it, man. Okay. But I was like, fuck. And then he gets up um, and uh, he, get, he gets up and he walks towards the piano and he says, let's play some blues. And I was like, what the fuck is blues? And then so he starts playing blues, uh, like a, a blues chord progression and riff, and he wanted me to play over it. And But again, my guitar was not in tune with the piano, so it sounded really weird. And so after that, he's like, all right, <clears throat> can you read some of this stuff? Like he gave me sheet, uh, sheet music, and I said, I, I can't read, I'm sorry. And he said, well, just try. And I tried, but I couldn't tell if it was music or Chinese. You know, I had no idea. I, I can't, I, I don't know. And then, but after all that, he's like, um, you know, I think... I think we're done here. And I said, yep. And, uh, that's, ba <clears throat> that's basically the story of my audition, you know? Um, and it was, it was God awful. But after, uh, after I think a few weeks, I got an email and it said, congratulations. Wow. That was the only thing I read. And, you know, it was a, it was a two in the morning and I went to my parents' room and I, I woke them up and said, I got into Berkeley. I can't believe it. My mom was really proud. And my dad was like, I got to spend this money now. <laughs> so yeah i mean that was uh that was the end of 2012 and so basically i went i you know i went to berkeley and and you know i, I god knows i wanted to leave california for so long and i wanted to do something new and just live independently well it's not really independently is it because you know finances but uh berkeley um i went there for two years from 2013 to the end of 2015 and you know i, I thought it was gonna be amazing it was gonna be uh, a, a school of music. I didn't really grow up uh, in an environment of music, not really, mm. but a school of music. That's incredible. It's like video game high school almost. You know what I mean? Like it's a, mm. it's a place to do what I love and learn about more about what I love. That's incredible. So I go there. The hype was incredible. It was real. You know, you meet all these different people from all around the world and you get to know them and what they do and, and you know, how they are. And uh, you go to parties and you get to know them even more. And then soon clicks form. And, and I used to ditch class actually, because what I learned was that I didn't enjoy the classes there. You know, I didn't, I didn't like their agenda. I didn't like their, you know, their, um, their curriculum and the way they did things. To be quite honest, I, I don't like Berkeley. I love Boston. I love being there and I love writing music there and, and, you know, exploring there but i did not like the school so i would ditch class just to work on my own music you know if i had an idea and i and i really wanted to do it but oh, it's time to go to class i don't care i'm working on my music and the things that i learned soon enough and i hate to sound you know i, I don't mean to sound like condescending or superior at all or anything this is this is just my firm belief um just through my experiences and observation is that most of the people there I mean, don't get me wrong. There are incredible musicians at Berkeley and students that are way better than me and, and just on another level. But most of the people that I've met there, they're not that good. They seem, mm. they seem deluded. You know, a lot of them stop doing music. They, they're not really methodical in their, in their uh, writing or their approach to music, which I thought was kind of a, uh, a saddening. And, um, 
you know, th- their lives consisted of just smoking a lot of pot, um, ditching class every once in a while, not really, you know, doing music, just inviting a few friends over drinking beer and playing video games and watching sports and that kind of thing. It was, it was, uh, it was kind of disappointing to see. I mean, there were people that were, you know, that had a rigid work ethic and worked hard at, at their, uh, at their practice, but a lot of the people weren't like that. And I was kind of disappointed. Um, I didn't really like Berkeley as much as the, as the, the months went on. And I, my parents wanted me to stay in school for at least two years, you know, cause they really value education. So that's, uh, I, I left at the end of 2015. That was my two years up and I, I, I couldn't be more glad to be home. I was, I was so glad to be home. So, and from then on, uh, those, those now what two years ago now, that's about yeah, two years yeah. ago. So the last two years has been kind of a, kind of a blur, <laughs> I suppose. Writer's block up and down, incredible writer's block everywhere. And, uh, and I had to, and I, and this year I went through, um, some really, really focused internal journeys, I suppose, because I, I my panic attacks returned this year and I went through right. panic attacks for about six months. So that was a, that was incredibly painful, but, uh, I'm glad I went through it though. A lot of questions there, but yeah. Matt Lang came on the, uh, the podcast a while back. He went to Berkeley mm-hmm. and I, I, I do believe he graduated, but he said it was like extremely, extremely structured and like rigorous. Yes, absolutely. I hated that. Yeah. It was not for me. Do you think it's good for some people who need that kind of structure? Absolutely. You know, I'm the, I'm just the type of person that doesn't thrive in an academic setting with a teacher to tell me what to do and how to learn. I, uh, I, when I went to Berkeley, I didn't really learn a lot of new things. I just put a lot of terms on the things I already knew, but, uh, other people, you know, they thrive under a curriculum and they thrive under uh, an academic setting. I just personally don't, I just got to get my hands on, um, on the thing that I'm doing and learn by myself. That's just how I learn. That's just how my mind works, I suppose. So writer's block, why, why did you get that? And, and how did you deal with it? Because obviously it's a common thing. Right. Um, <clears throat> for me, uh, I'm a very methodical writer. I'm not very good at improv. I, you know, I'm an, al- I'm an album guy. I, I like to make albums. I don't really like to make singles that much. So when I have a project, I usually come up with a concept of how I also have synesthesia and that kind of helps me um, paint out the, the album and the tracks beforehand and how I want it to look. You know, I need to have a concept and then I need to, I want to explore compositional themes and, you know, uh, and there's a lot of factors in how I write, but basically the, the general term is methodical. You know, I, I think about things. I, I, I constantly think of ideas throughout the day and maybe I'll do this, maybe I'll do that, or maybe I'll make a song like this and I'll contribute and that, and that song's role and the album will be like this. So just to, I need to ask this question. Mm-hmm. Are you programming everything in because um listening to your music i was like he must be a piano player or something like i i could tell some of it was obviously programmed but that's very complex like how long does it take um not long i mean i i write a lot of my piano stuff on on stream on my twitch uh and yeah and you could see how i work um i uh but i don't play piano i mean i did take piano lessons in high school and freshman year but i didn't really learn anything i just uh I just learned how to play certain songs. And even now I haven't played for so many years. I, I can't play. I, I don't know how to play a piano. It really surprises me. Yeah. Uh, I do get that a lot, but I, I don't think it's that. I don't think it's that. Uh, I don't think it's that great. <laughs> to be honest, I think anyone can do it very, very easily. Um, so, uh, but that's, that's the piano. Right. So when I do get a writer's block, it's mainly because, um, I don't know how to fill in the details. I don't know how to fill in the details to get what I want. And that's kind of uh that's, that's very frustrating. And my philosophy to combat uh, writer's block was initially I, I thought, you know, if you don't have any ideas, don't write, just, just go live your life, do whatever you want. And, you, you know, just come back when you have ideas to express. And I did that uh, after I came back from Berkeley, but I had writer's block for months for months and months and months um until the end of that year and at the end of 2016 um you know i decided you know what i need discipline you know it it isn't it it was true what i believed in but i do need to have some amount of discipline so i just sat down and i just worked 
I, I don't care. Like, I, I don't care if I didn't have any of this. I just started working. And from there on, I, I made uh, an EP at the end of the year. And I think it's honestly my best work. I, uh, yeah, I think it's my favorite work. And I never imagined I'd ever do something like that with something that's nature. And green is not uh, a color that I really associate myself with. You know, like I, it's not something I would ever really choose or nature, or the sounds of birds or whatever. But I did, I did love landscapes. And I guess I never really tapped into that part of myself uh, as much as I, I, I should have. Um, but with this, it, with this one, I I uh, I, th- I I totally believe that it's my best work. Um, even my last EP, Soulfire Soulfire Valor, uh, I don't think it was as good as this one, <laughs> to be quite honest. Um, so I'm really proud of this one. But after Unearth, you know, I I kind of like returned. I mean, you know, you get writer's block here and there still, but these days, I mean, I'm in a writer's block right now, and that's the worst part. But I think there's a different reason. There's a different reason for every writer's block. I feel, you know. Um, for the writer's block I'm going through right now is because, um, I mean, generally, yeah, it's, it's about details. Sure. But right now I'm having conceptual issues, um, compositional themes. I don't know how to explore that and present it in a different way that each track, uh, serves a different purpose, um, for the album. So right now that's the kind of thing I'm going through, you know, to be quite honest with writer's block, uh, I think it's going to be different for me, uh, specifically, I suppose. Um, there are general rules for everybody, including me, for me right now, uh, the issue that I have is just, I, I feel it's way too specific and, uh, I don't really have an answer <laughs> at, at the moment and I'll have to figure it out. For sure. Uh, you mentioned discipline and mm-hmm. when you're talking about Berkeley, you, you kind of talked about how some people or a lot of people just didn't have this rigid work ethic, which you thought was important. Mm-hmm. Tell me about that because I've always like, since starting EDM Prod and, and the podcast, I've always been a proponent of, look, you need to sit down, do the work, like stop romanticizing everything. Stop waiting for this inspiration to come, like just do the work. And if you look at uh, creatives, not just musicians, but creatives throughout history, that's what they did. Right. They had a strict schedule, they put in the time um, and they succeeded. So w- when you say, you know, okay, I've been waiting for these ideas. They're not really coming. I need to discipline myself. Right. What changes did you make and what happened after that? So usually, uh, well, in, in terms of discipline, I feel that everyone requires a different amount. For me, uh, I, you know, especially this year, now that I've gotten to know myself a lot more by trying to combat these panic attacks, um, I'm the type of person that's very, that's just very stubborn. I'm extremely stubborn. Um, and, uh, if I don't want to do something, I just won't do it, you know, and that can be counterproductive when it comes to music, you know, with the whole discipline aspect, because with music, you know, I always, like I said, I always had the firm belief that I, you know, you should just not do anything and just live your life and then come back when you have something to express. And that's, and that's kind of true. But for me, I required some discipline and I realized that a little too late. And so when I realized that, I said, you know what, just go in and write, just go in and write and just write whatever, whatever it, uh, comes to mind and just try new things. Like just kind of explore the world again, uh, of music, like I did as a kid. And, you know, to be quite honest, um, inspira- inspiration may have come, but it would probably wouldn't have come without the discipline. You know, I know, I know of like a lot of creative people that have a nine to five, they set a schedule for themselves, nine to five every day, whether they can or cannot come up with things for me. I, I just don't like, uh, I just don't like writing anything. I don't want to write when I'm writing something. I don't, I really don't care about. I, I just scrap it entirely. And people get mad at me for that. They're like, Oh, that sounded great. Why did you scrap that? I just don't really care about it. Um, and, uh, uh, perhaps that's a trait of myself that, you know, needs improvement. Um, or perhaps it, there could be some good things about it, but that's just the way I work, but it does, I do require some discipline. That's for sure. You know, everyone requires discipline. Um, it, it may vary the amount, you know, uh, I have a friend who, um, he's all discipline. He's, he's hundred percent discipline and he, he's uh and he's a producer, you know, and he does, he does the creative work, but, uh, <clears throat> with mixing and all that that's his forte so he requires a lot of discipline um even with creative work he just goes and does it like if it's discipline <clears throat> um he whether he has ideas or not he just goes and does it but my firm belief is that 
for me anyway, in my personal aspect, if I, if I, if I'm working on something serious and if I don't have inspiration, discipline alone will not yield the results I want to obtain. If I don't have that inspiration, if I don't have, and it's not really, I don't, I don't know what the word is. Like it's inspiration seems like too hefty of a word. It's just more about the direction I want and the expression I want and, and the concept and how to nail that concept that I have in my mind. It does require discipline. You know, it's not just uh, it's not just a creative aspect. Um, I just really need to go get in in there and just work. For me, like I said, like I can't be hundred percent disciplined. It, I won't yield the results that I want if I if I am a hundred percent disciplined. Unfortunately, right, right. I understand. You kind of talked about just knowing yourself, strengths, weaknesses. I think that's a really important thing for producers to understand for various reasons. Uh, one being career path like a friend of mine joey he did the whole you know world touring dj producer mm. uh, he got like five years in and he realized he like he burned out because it just wasn't for him right like he was living this life that was just destroying him because he didn't want to be traveling all the time and on stage all the time mm. how did you do that like how did you come to find out oh yeah this is what i need this is what i'm good at don't really like this was that a conscious, systematic process? Um, initially, no. I always grew up. Um, I grew up a pretty observant person. Maybe not initially, but as I grew up uh, until this point, whenever something big would happen, you know, I get into altercation or or something big happened that you know, I would always question my actions right after. I'd be like, "Why did I do that?" So I've always been an observant person. So I thought I knew myself pretty well until the panic attacks returned. The knowing yourself bit especially when it comes to music is incredibly important. That's, that's what I, as an artist, you know, if you want to express yourself, um, then I, I don't believe that all artists, uh, need to express themselves or maybe just a perspective of what they see or, you know, um, how they, how they, how they see other things. But when it comes to an artist and expressing yourself, you need to know yourself because my firm belief is that most people actually don't know themselves. Other people around them know them more than they do themselves. That's just my experience and my observation because, you know, I, I would have friends um, and I would know them better than they knew themselves. And I, I, throughout my life, I've been kind of the, the mediator, not me, maybe a mediator, but I've been the middleman for a lot of people's drama and problems. Unfortunately, you know, I don't know if it's my, the way my face looks or whatever, but whenever <laughs> I go, you know, people t- tend to tell me their feelings, you know, they're a lot more open with me. So and, and I was able to observe from an outsider's perspective and even even with a lot of my fans, you know, when they write, you know, I can I can tell their thought process. I can tell what I can, you know, I'll even tell them like you totally did this because of this. You were th- this is what you're thinking. They'd be like that was, and I think I I wasn't able to do that because I was very observant. But the truth is, when I went through those panic attacks, I didn't actually know myself deeply than I thought. So. When I went through these bad attacks, uh, I went through this uh, internal journey about trying to get to know myself um, to combat these panic attacks because I thought I went through them every day, all day. I thought I was going to die, and uh, and you know I would have pains all over, and I would I would just check my heartbeat constantly. And I'm afraid of my own heartbeat. I can't. I can't. I still to this day, yeah, it's still to this day I can't feel it without getting some sort of anxiety. So I saw a therapist, but. Uh, what I learned with therapy is that you're going to have to be doing most of the work. <laughs> so. A lot of the things that I realized was how stubborn I am. And, and one thing was that throughout my life, I had pretty much, besides all the bullying and the social aspect, I was pretty victorious in everything I've ever wanted to do, mm. whether it's writing or music or any other creative thing. If I ever, cause I've, you know, you're taught in uh, Western society. If you want to achieve something, all you have to do is work hard and you can achieve anything, anything that you want. But the reality is that's just not true. So yeah, when I finally came to uh, a point where I tried my best at something and I couldn't do it, I couldn't control. I couldn't. I couldn't accept that. I drove myself insane, and that's uh, that's the song. I wrote a song about that. It's called "Used to Believe." It's the point where I tried so hard at something, but I, I just couldn't achieve it, and I and I hated myself for it. And I said, "Why can't you do this? You should be able to do this," you know. And. <sighs> What I had to come to terms with was that you have to accept, you have to accept it. You have to, you have to know that you can't do everything and uh, you have to accept the things that you cannot control. And then you have to um, 
take the reins of the things that you can control. Um, and that was kind of, and that was a little bit difficult for me. And that was an aspect of me that, uh, that I learned and that's, and that's made me a lot happier, um, thus far. And, uh, and how that bleeds into music, you know, knowing yourself was, um, for example, uh, I don't like mainstream stuff. I don't really like mainstream stuff. It doesn't relate to me. And, 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 uh, and that's, that's, that part's fine. You know, a lot of people go through that, but also I have this grudge against mainstream stuff sometimes, you know, it's, it's pretty obvious. I, I despise it whenever I hear, you know, like, uh, mainstream pop or EDM, I, I can't, I can't, I hate it. I despise it. I detest it. I find it disgusting. And I think it's, um, you know, it's music that does nothing for artistry. And, and as a matter of fact, is very dangerous for our artistry in general um because it appeals to the lowest common denominator and i don't mean that in an insulting way it appeals to people who don't really know about music because the inherent properties of music is a lot more it requires education whereas movies you know you don't require education in order to analyze it you just have to be more observant and get more into the into movies you know than watch them but music has an inherent quality where it's it, it's very difficult to analyze and interpret so a lot of people, you know, and also the fact that it's, it's convenience. Um, no one really focuses and sits down and listens to music that much compared to movies. Whereas movies, you will commit your time and your uh, focus to movies. But music isn't like that. When it comes to music, you know, I would try to think differently whenever I... Uh, approach a certain uh, how to write or, or a concept. I don't want to write anything that's too mainstream. And to be honest, to be truthful, it, the reason I think that way is because I was bullied. And because I was bullied, I didn't want to like the thing, same things, you know, the people I wanted to be accepted by, by the popular kids, you know, I didn't want to like the same thing. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to be accepted, but in my own way, you know, and that was kind of the internal conflict I wasn't aware of when I was a kid. And, you know, you know, you're a kid and not a lot of people are aware of that when they're a kid and when they are bullied. So they try to cope in different ways. But that's the way um, my mind works now is that, you know, you know, and, and I have to come to terms with it. You know, a lot of it and I don't want to be insecure about it because, you know, that is a very easy thing to become insecure about, to hate the norm and hate the uh, mainstream. But uh yeah. And I, that's why whenever I hear something and I, and you know, like I've noticed that when a fan um, shows me his music or her music, it's mostly him, his music. Um, and he says, can you give me some comments about the composition? And I would tell him, this is way too diatonic. You can do way better than this. You can try new things and explore, you know, you don't have to just use triads all the time. You can explore tensions and their purpose and you know, how rich you can make these chords and you know, et cetera, blah, blah, blah. And, you know, the, the reason I think that way is because of that. It all stems from that deeply rooted, you know, it, it's like a trickle up kind of thing. And the way I, I really wanted to know the, the way I act, why I, why I act the way I do, why I think the way I do. And, you know, that helps me be more conscious about um, everything. And it all stems to music in general, too. When I write music, uh, I know why it sounds, I know why this evokes uh, emotion. You know, when I write this melody, why does this evoke this? And to me, you know, and I can pick that up. But uh, yeah. Most people simply are not that self-aware. That's really impressive. Um, mm -hmm. I want to come back to something you mentioned. You know, you talked about how in the West, we are brought up with this uh, notion that you can work hard and achieve whatever you want. Mm -hmm. which I agree with you, like it's not true because there are certain things you just cannot control. However, one thing that I think about a lot is uh, balancing ambition with that reality because there's two extremes, right? Absolutely. There's that one, which you mentioned, which is basically delusion that life is like a chessboard and you can just move pieces around, which you can't. Mm -hmm. uh, and the other extreme is just basically not nihilism, but kind of like... um well, there's no point because I can't achieve anything I want, so I might as well not even try. So how do you think about that? How do you like you think about ambition? Like, oh, yeah, I'm going to try as hard as I can with this, but I recognize that it may not succeed. I like the saying, strive for perfection, but know that you'll never be perfect. Um, because life, even the masters of the world in any field, they're always going to be a student, you know? You're always constantly learning, no matter how great you are, you're always going to be constantly learning and it's never going to stop. 
right now um i had to come well I'll, uh, this is a good example um right now i have a choice uh so i was given a project to do um i have a friend that i met in in college and he works for a studio and i and i thought you know i need to start thinking about my music career and my future so i need a job and the only thing i'm good at is you know like music and production i guess so i asked him you know uh can you get me a job and he and he said you know we got a client who's really big um I'm not sure if I can even really give the name out here, so I won't, but, uh, yeah, he's really, he's huge. You know, he's, he's, there's Grammys involved. I don't know how, but he's a CEO of some huge company and, and he's trying to gather people together to make an album. And I said, awesome. And then, you know, the, the studio there said, Hey, James, if you do a great job, we will, we, not, we will, but we can get you a, a, a position here in New York. It's possible. And I was like, this is great. You know, I, I can have some stability here. So that's one branch that I could have gotten into. So, but here's another branch. One of my friends, funnily enough, the friend that actually offered me that, uh, that those opportunities there, his friend, his name is Scott. Um, I've known Scott for a little while. I, have, I don't really, I've never met him, but I've gotten to know him very well. And he disappeared for a year, but he's an anomalous person in terms of business. Um, and sort of that aspect of the mind, you know, and he created this business and he offered me an olive branch, so to speak, to start a, start an importing business. And I had to really think about it. Do I really want to do this? And, you know, the first thing I said when he offered me this, I said, no, it's hell no, I'm not going to do business. I'm not a business person. You know, I, I would love to, you know, it, again, in the music industry, if you're going to uh, put yourself out there, you have to be a business person in some regard, right? You can't just be a musician, yeah. but uh, in the broader sense, I'm not really a businessman to do imports, you know, like it's not something that I, I don't think I'd be good at, or it's something I want to pursue. This business is, I, I went over it with him and it's, 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 uh, an incredible, uh, potential here. It's an incredible opportunity after going through all of it. So I have to, I have to think to myself, if I get a job over at the studios, do I really want to work a nine to five? making music for people I don't like making music that I don't care about for the rest of my life, making $600 a month with like, and you can say there's potential for growth through connections, but overall I'll be doing stuff that I don't want to do. What I want to do is my music, you know, then that, that sort of seems to defeat the purpose of why then I would still go with an importing business. Well, looking at this importing business for me, <clears throat> my ultimate goal is creativity. I want to create. That's my ultimate goal. That's my dream in life. I want to create movies. I want to make stories. You know, now I want to make video games, film scoring, games, uh, video game scoring. I want to. I want to do all those things and even music in, in every regard of what I want to do. And to do that, you're going to need some resources. You know, you can't. You can write a book, but you can't make a movie without resources. You know, and so I thought about this and I said, you know what, this business frees up my time and time is a luxury that's for damn sure time is a luxury and it'll give me finance uh financial uh, stability so i thought about it and i said this is this is what i need to do this is my this is because this tends towards my ambition you know just because the other one is music it's still it's still it's still a 95 kind of job for me if i really think about it and and unfortunately you know uh, this would suck actually now that i've said this if they heard if they heard this uh interview here they they might be very angry or you know very disappointed for me to say this but this is the truth uh that i had that i had to uh confront is that i need time i need time to do i don't care about the finances really as long as i have the time to do it and do everything i wanted to do you know and like i said like uh, unfortunately i'm not the type of person that's that kind of follows the uh, a rigid schedule unfortunately you know uh, or like school or an academic environment or a work environment i i just can't do it it's just not i can't conform like that it's just uh, maybe it's a habit maybe it's uh, personality and upbringing at the same time like like i mentioned before but you know it's definitely a part of me that i can improve in me and perhaps i can change absolutely for the better and it may not be a great trait to have or a, uh, you know but uh in these two paths, um, I will have to choose, you know, uh, the importing business because mm. regardless, it, it tend it favors more towards what I want and what I need to do in order to achieve to the fullest extent. Yeah, that makes a ton of sense. And I, I think more autonomy in that, um, in that path as well. I think autonomy is super important just as a human being. 
Uh, but that's just me. So I've got one more question. Oh, two more actually. But okay. if a completely new producer came to you and they said, hey, I want to pay you 250K, just mentor me for a year, how would you teach them? What kind of learning path would you take them down? I would go <laughs> way more than way more deep than music way more deep and i do this with uh, a lot of people that want to learn uh uh from me you know as as much as i can offer anyway um i always uh i always ask them why well i'll start with this like why do you want to do music you know because it's because the truth is no matter what answer someone gives you sometimes they may believe it but it just may not be true um mm. other people you know for example the people at berkeley you don't have to ask someone if they're passionate about music you can see it so if you were to ask them however are you passionate about music they will say yes you can totally see that they're not so if i were to mentor someone you know i have to get deeper than that i can't just teach them just music theory or you know especially if it's a very focused thing for a year um i wouldn't just teach them uh uh harmonies or you know uh, technical aspects or you know sound design and just composition and you know I, I wouldn't just teach them that those are just tools you know but i would teach them what do they want like exactly and would, would together we try to find a goal for that and sub goals and uh every step of the way and how can we achieve that through the very foundation of that person's core because the the, per, uh, the foundation of that person's core and, and assuming that it's not just a, a production thing and they want to express themselves as an artist assuming that then you know i would try to unhinge them so to speak so that they have the freedom and the autonomy i suppose to express what they want uh freely and explore new ways to express that you know that's that's the approach that i would give it and you know i love that uh yeah that's amazing that's the best answer i've had to that question <laughs> um so final question and then we'll wrap this up you're walking down the street uh just doing whatever chilling and then this UFO comes down and these aliens pop out and they say, we're going to abduct you. You're not coming back. But uh, what you can do is here's a piece of paper and a pen, write down three pieces of advice for humankind uh, or just producers. And that's it. Uh, what is on that piece of paper? The first advice I would say is please be more open because there's a lot of things um, that's happening today that people are very close-minded but they have but they're deluded that they're open but they refuse to see because of their agenda uh their radical uh, political agenda perhaps which still roots from the very foundation of themselves um to be more open you know i like having very in intellectual conversations um with uh, with a friend of mine um who's actually very suffering right now and i and i feel a lot of pity but we talk about this kind of uh, political and philosophical things um and scientific things all the time and uh we've come to the conclusion that actually you know what a lot of people think they're open they're open-minded but they're actually not you know and to, to it's like this like and this is a very difficult thing to hear um till some people but you know you look at white supremacy and i just had to wonder why how could a how could a whole group of people think that way you know i don't believe in white supremacy um but i had to understand where they were coming from so i looked into it you know now i'm not white i'm i'm asian i'm korean and uh i had to really look into uh why they think the the way they do and i and i don't agree with them but i understand where they're coming from i totally get it right you know, you know, especially in America, you know, they're, they believe, you know, their forefathers, their ancestors, you know, create this country and with uh, traditional values, with independence and freedom and all that, you know, and they believe that it was white people and white, you know, that part I don't agree with, but, you know, I get it. I get why they think of that, but the other people, they, they demonize them. They demonize these yeah. people have like, they're totally irrational and, and, you know, and all that. But if people were a lot more respectful and, and a lot more open, that'd be it. And then the second piece of advice I would say is, um, know yourself. That's the most important bit that, uh, you never know yourself, uh, as much as you think. Always, always, always. It, you, there's not, there's not going to be an end goal to knowing yourself. I assume like you're always going to be learning new things about yourself and the better you know yourself, um, I suppose the, the, the more opportunities, um, that you'll you'll be able to achieve in life um, whatever's granted to you um, because if you're blind to yourself then you you cannot choose 
you cannot choose right. You know, so I have so many friends that think they want something, but it's not really what they wanted. So they make all these horrible life decisions that bite them in the ass so many months or years later. And it, and you know, even when they hit rock bottom, they may not realize it. And so that's, uh, knowing yourself is such a huge, huge thing. And, uh, the third piece of advice is, um, pursue happiness, I suppose. Um, there's, there's going to be a lot of things that, you know, people say be productive, but if you, if you enjoy the occasional drink or the video games or whatever, do it, you know, mm. it, it's, it's so important for you to stay happy, but of course, moderation, you know, moderation and control, uh, you know, just because you enjoy heroin doesn't mean you should start shooting up heroin, you know, uh, moderation <laughs> and control. So, but if you do enjoy, uh, you know, little life's pleasures, uh, don't feel guilty about it. Do it, you know, yeah, yeah. pursue happiness because happiness is such an important thing. And my friend will very disagree. And I think it's because um, he, like I said, he's kind of suffering right now. He's kind of, he's kind of hurt. So he, he even told me at one point, and he was drunk, but he, he told me point, one point, you know, screw happiness. Like what is happiness? Even it's pointless, but you know, he was off on that. But happiness is, you know, everything almost, you know, it's, it's literally everything. It's the whole point of society and the collective good. And even into the point of the individual, which, uh, which uh, contributes to the collective good. And so just see happiness at the end goal, but you have to be aware of the path to get there. Cause you can stray from the path of happiness, but even though you think you're going there, but you know, happiness is uh, everything. So that's, those are my three advice, I suppose. Awesome. James, thanks heaps for coming on the show. This has been an insightful, profound discussion and I really appreciate your time. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>